0: Hey everyone, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. I had a few thoughts that I'd like to share with you today. Uh, just as I was getting ready to to speak, I was thinking about the renewal process, and just as we go from day to day, there's a um, hold on a second. Let me just make sure my sound is okay here. All right. As we go from day to day, um, there's a, a continuous need for having your your peace restored one of the things that God promised those who believe was that they would have perfect peace and and peace would just cast out um, fear that you would be able to enter into a rest that God has prepared for you. And I I think um, as I go through my day, I have daily habits and routines, more or less. And uh, being that I own an online business, I'm connected for the better part of the day, to the internet and what's going on out there. But this morning, as I was getting up, I was realizing a few things. That if I didn't turn on the computer, or I didn't uh, open my laptop, or look at any of the other connected devices that I had, all I would know about what was happening in the world around me would be what was happening in the immediate world around me. Um, Now, I'd look out the back window, and I see trees. And there's a um, I don't know, it's it's not a um, it there's water behind the house, it's like a um stream, I guess you would call it. It empties out into a larger body of water, and it's fairly narrow. But just the way it's it's situated, um, I guess you, you could call it a cr- it goes into a creek. Um, you know, you see things there like turtles and birds and things like that. And uh, we have a a big tree here near the house. And there's just a lot of wildlife here, hawks and, and exotic looking birds and uh, all all just, just all different types of things. It's like a little ecosystem. So if I don't go online, or I don't uh, you know, check my phone or anything else. My connection to the world around me is just actually what's happening around me and and for years, I think that's the way people lived. And I think about the anxieties <laughs> that we face in life and and the things that bring that take our peace from us and that that put us in a place of unrest and and that comes from from outside. In other words, um, maybe for some people it comes in their mailbox in, in the form of, of bills. So if they didn't go to their mailbox or they didn't open their mail right away or they didn't read the mail a hundred times over or meditate on the fact that they're behind on their bills or, or that type of thing, um, they wouldn't really have unrest in their life because everything in the, that's happening in their real world, in the immediate world that they have uh, contact with, is okay. Uh, the house, is not burning down or anything like that? They're, they're not in the middle of a, um, of a civil unrest or they're not in the middle of a war zone or, or things like that. And I know all of those things happen. And of course that brings with it its own set of, of, uh, challenges. But I mean, for the most part in life, uh, most of us live in, in, in a situation that's not, um, that doesn't bring it doesn't challenge the senses. Let's put it that way. Yeah, situations come, but for the most part, there's not something challenging the senses. But once you connect to the internet, that all changes because what you're seeing is um, situations being discussed, or you're watching them unfold, or you're listening to people speak. And and some of these people just are evil. The things that, that they're doing and the things that they're taking part in and it affects you it takes your your peace away it brings unrest to your heart and you start to wonder well is everybody going to be like that and how would that affect my life and my family and and where i live and and then and you see it everywhere you see it in sports you see it in the news you see it in discussions and you see all that and there's no way that you can interact online without, I mean, it's very hard not to expose yourself to that because as soon as you connect to social media, that's what you're connected to. And even if you're just there for fun or for business, what happens? You watch a video, you follow a link, you do something, and it brings you to this place where suddenly it's like the wave of of, of dark water envelops you, you know, and you get out of that. And 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 when you think about it, um, nobody is forcing this on you. You're putting yourself in a place where you're exposing yourself to it. And this happens over and over again. And, and, and because uh, the habit has, has developed, remember there was a life before the internet, especially if you're, if you're older and you were alive, um, let's say pre-1993 for the average person who was an adult back in the 90s, Um, and you grew up and, and your toys, let's say the things that you played with or the things that you did, uh, weren't, uh, online, you know, they, they were just, even if they were electronic, they were just something that you did there. You know, your whole world was based on your location, you know, and, and, and then back in that time, uh, all of the challenges came from maybe, uh, what was happening in your neighborhood, And and for a lot of you, really wasn't that bad. What was happening in your school, you know, that that could go either way, or what was happening in the workplace. Again, but the majority of our time is spent now getting information from uh, what's happening around the world via online. So we're connected to this continuous stream of negativity. And you know, I'm not going to put anything out there and saying that you know you should cast a A blind eye to reality or live in the clouds or anything like that. I'm just saying that you know what it's like to have peace in your heart. And as a believing believer, let me put it this way, as a person who has faith in God, you know what it's like to focus on him and focus on what the Bible says and what God promised in the Bible, in the words of Jesus, what Jesus said, and to get peace as a result of opening yourself up to that. You know what it's like to pray and have peace as a result of the fact that you you prayed. So I look at it like this, unless unless there's some type of communication between you and God, unless you pray, unless and and most of the time, most of my prayers sound just like I'm talking right now. I've prayed over 30 years just like this. I just talk to the Lord. Sometimes it's formal, but most of the time it's just like this. You know, I'll just pour out my heart and then God just has a way of taking that and lifting the the heaviness off of me and lifting that darkness, taking that away. And then there's light again. And I feel better about myself. I feel better about being alive. I feel better about all of the circumstances that have been challenging me uh, through the days, weeks, months, and sometimes even years. I feel better about all those things because when I pray, my hope is restored. Hope is uh, your vision of a positive outcome. Hope is the vision of a better tomorrow, and faith gives assurance to things hoped for. But you know the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, and and so if you if you lose hope, if you can no longer see a positive outcome, then it it's very difficult to have faith, because that's the a loss of hope is the foundation of doubt and unbelief. In other words, you just can't see it. You, your heart has become hardened to the possibilities. Your, your heart has become hardened to good and hardened to the light and hardened to um, uh, positive things. And it's become entrenched in the exact opposite, in the negative. And you know, when that happens, everything is miserable. There's no thing that you can really do uh, to get away from that for more than just a, a small space of time. That's why I, some people drink. You know, you forget the problems and you have like an artificial joy. But those those problems are right back when you when you come back. Uh, food is another escape. You know, you have your favorite food or whatever, and and for that brief time, your heart is away from the problems, is focused on on this. But it always comes back, and When you keep using these certain things, natural things, outwardly physical things, to just escape for a little bit and get a good feeling, um, then oftentimes you have to do them more and more and more just to get back close to that place where you're away from the from the negative and and focus on something that brings some enjoyment to you. So the thing is, with with praying, it goes on a deeper level because that's. One area deals with the mind, the soul. The other deals with the spirit, the, the real you, the inward part of you, the part that goes on after this body dies. And when that part is touched, that's the part that God touches. That's the part of us that communicates with God. That's that's the heart. And the best way I know how to put it is when you do something and your heart is in it and you are fully involved is a different type of process than when you're just going through the motions. right? When you're just going through the motions – you don't want to be there. You don't want to be doing whatever it is you're doing, but you do it because you have to do it. There's some type of external reason. You know, you need a paycheck at the end of the week or, or whatever, or, you know, other people, you made a promise to other people, but you put yourself in a bad position because you didn't count the costs of having to follow up on that promise. You know, I'm not saying anything that's alien to you. We've all been there before. So, uh, when I look back at all of this and ha- as my day begins, I realize that now uh, it's good to pray before I expose myself to that, the, that dark part of life, that part that um, the information, the visuals, the text, the video, the audio, all the stuff that you're going to get hit with when you connect with the online world. Uh, before, it used to come into your home via newspaper or radio but now it comes in it has many ways into your house. It ha- it can come through the TV. It could even be just a fictitious movie you're watching, but it puts that it pushes you towards that darkness. It gives you thoughts, bad thoughts that you wouldn't have otherwise had. It it you you understand what I'm saying. I'm trying to articulate this the best I could. So now it can come through a variety of means. It can come through paper. It can come through the radio and come through the TV. But it seems like the internet is now the choice of all of these things because it's a connected type of society we've become, right? When somebody sends you an email, they don't expect you to email them back in two or three days. They expect an answer oftentimes within minutes or or within the hour. That's what the expectations have become. Excuse me. So the other day I made a Concerted effort to pray. Now, in the natural, I, I did. I only had so much that I could talk about or think about talking about because when I got up, my mind was was still tired. I was still in that lower gear. hadn't had a coffee or anything else like that. I just got up, and so what I decided to do is I decided to pray in the spirit. So I prayed in the spirit, not with the understanding. Um, if you don't know what that is. You can go to the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians and read all about it there. So I'm praying in the Spirit. Um, And the the Bible says if your spirit prays, your understanding is unfruitful. So you have to do it by just like you do anything else relative to God. You've got to do it by faith because you can't see it. You can't touch it. Um, and, and a lot of it's hard to articulate. You just know this is what the Bible says. If you do this, you'll get this result. Uh, so I prayed in the Spirit. And it did have an effect on the rest of the day. Now, today when I got up, I didn't do that. Something else caught my attention, and I didn't go down that path. But that's fine. And I want to beat myself up over that because, you know, a lot of times we take principles and we turn them into formulas, and then that's when we get in trouble. Okay, so there's there a principle. Let, and let's say uh, the principle is eating right. Just for example, this is something you can just relate to. Pretty, pretty simple. So the principle is eating right. Now the formula is when I get up, um, this is what I drink first thing in the morning, not coffee. This is the first thing I eat. I have three different things to choose from that are healthy. Then I take a vitamin or a supplement of some kind. And then this is the the form of the ritual I go through for um, lunch, and this is I go for dinner. And uh, then every other day I do these type of exercises, uh, you know. And, and so that's taking the principle of healthy living and turning it into a formula. It's something that you do step by step. And what what the people did over time, you read the Bible, was they turned – their relationship with God into a formula, and that formula became what's known as a religion. So the religion means that we do certain things, but now the difference is the relationship requires the heart, whereas the, and that's the principle, right? But the religion, the formula doesn't require the heart, it's just the outward action, but the heart isn't in it. So if you use a, a formula in, in a relationship, let's say, then you don't really have a real relationship. You just have basically a religion almost, right? I mean, it's a religious activity, something you do religiously. It means you do it that way all the time. That's your religion. That's your system. That's your MO. That, that's what you do. And see, the Bible says that doesn't please God because God looks at the heart. So if you had a formula... For a relationship, you might say, okay, once a week I buy a flower for my wife. Or once a week a woman does something special for her husband. Now, what are the special things? Well, we have three basic things to choose from. Let's say she likes three different flowers, so we we alternate. But now the heart isn't in it. So you actually go through the process of doing something nice for somebody, but then they could tell that your heart really isn't, it, and doesn't, no longer has the desired effect, right? Because you're just going through the motions, right? It's kind of like the, the person, the father, the parent who's really never there for the child. And so to compensate for them not being there, maybe they buy expensive gifts, but it doesn't have the desired end result And that the relationship is non-existent. It becomes strained. And then eventually they get to the point where they don't, they realize that they don't even know their son or daughter and their daughter doesn't really know them either. Right. So now if if we take this back into, into prayer and and I can show you in, in my own life example of how this affected me personally. So the very first time that I consciously used spiritual principles to get a direct answer to prayer was back in 1986. And uh, during that time, I had some growths on my thumb. And so I learned about prayer by reading some books and comparing what I was reading in the Bible and then listening to the stories of people that also had experiences with God answering prayers in a supernatural sense, not just a circumstantial, this is what happened, and and this is what I'm reporting, it was definitely God, and somebody can say, no, that would have happened anyway, you know, not that kind of, I'm talking about where you actually see an outward manifestation of power. Now, you can argue, well, that manifestation wasn't God, or it wasn't Jesus, it was a scientific force that's out there, it's the universe, some people call it the universe, you know, so I'm not even going to go down that road. If that's what you believe, that's your choice to believe that. I just know that I did exactly what the Bible said. Um, I used the scripture first in Mark eleven twenty four. I believe I had the answer before I could visibly see it. And for three months, I would uh, thank God that I had the answer. Now what I, what I did was there was a story I I read by a preacher who had done the same thing. And uh, he also had growths on his body, different part of the body than I did. Uh, he had it on his chest. I had it on my on my thumb. And I just thought at the time, you know what I got? I have to know. I have to know if the Bible is true. I have to know that if we do exactly what it says, it it worked. And I wanted it to be something that would not, you know, that somebody couldn't argue with. <clears throat> or at least I'll put it this way, less people would be able to argue with this. And so, you know, after a month of thanking God, and as I when I prayed, I would thank God. I would say, Lord, I thank you. I believe I receive it. I believe I have it now. Thank you for the answer. I know I don't have it by sight. I know I have it by faith. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. And we walk by faith and not by sight. So I believe I received the answer and I believe I have it now. Thank you, Lord. After a month of doing that, you know, discouragement started to to set in. But I know the Bible says you have to not doubt. If you doubt, according to the book of James, if you doubt, don't expect anything. And going on a a little further than that, it said that Jesus couldn't do any mighty works in his own hometown because of doubt and unbelief among his own his own people. He couldn't do many mighty miracles there but he did do some basic things like healing the sick, (coughs) excuse me. But you probably didn't see the dead raised or or people that had missing limbs, have their limbs restored. It says he didn't do mighty works there in the King James version. So I thought, well, you know, this was minor and everything, but you know, still these thoughts came. Um, So what I did was I went back and I read the preacher's testimony. And every time I read the testimony, I came back with this conclusion. Well, you know, God has not a respecter of persons. That's what the Bible says. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. All that matters is if you place your faith in Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. <clears throat> Doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. None of those things matters. God looks on the heart. And when I read this man's testimony again, it gave me hope for my own situation. Hope meaning that I could see the positive outcome again. So when I first started, I could clearly see me walking in the answer. And then when that a month later, when that picture, when that inner, inner image, that inner vision that I had in my heart began to get a little bit fuzzy because I started realizing how much time had passed, I would go back to the scriptures and I would read his story again. And I'd be renewed. Now, when I got to, somewhere in the third month of doing this, successfully fighting the discouragement, I got to the point where I realized how the enemy works. So if you read the Bible and you see how devils and demons and evil spirits work, <clears throat> you know they come to get you to doubt whatever God says in in his word. Whatever God said to people audibly back in in the in the beginning in the bible you know that he would still come the same way and whatever he said that the people got via a prophet or via the written word again the enemy would come the same way so when the devil came and tested jesus he even quoted the bible he just quoted it out of context so i i realized that but by the third month it was i was at a point where i actually enjoyed fighting the good fight of faith it had become a part of my daily routine i had become so entrenched in it so familiar with it as it related to this problem that i was facing this issue that i prayed about that my hope my vision of an outcome was like in living color, 3D. And I thought that, that any evil force that tries to take it away from me is just not big enough to do it because God has given me the victory. That's the way I felt. And it was though I had the victory in on the inside, even though it wasn't visible on the outside. And then at the three-month mark, I, think it, I believe it was the week of my birthday, um, I received the manifestation. I went to bed one night, I got it the next morning and ninety percent of the growth was gone overnight. And then among the next two days the rest of it disappeared. All that was left on my thumb was like a little outline. So of where it had been. And and at that point I didn't at that point I wasn't really that excited because I already believed I had it. But that ended the faith part of it. Because we walk by faith and not by sight, but once we see it. We don't need faith anymore. We know it, you know. And then I heard from these testimonies of other people that the enemy always tries to come back again. And so I was ready just in case. And sure enough, and those growths had been on my thumb for a few years up until that point. I had been to the doctor. The doctor gave me medicine. Finally, my mom insisted that I go see a doctor to have it checked out to make sure it wasn't anything um too bad. It was growing there. And uh, I got it checked out. And, and he gave me this medicine. He said it's really hard to get rid of. And I came home, and I looked at the medicine. I looked at the Bible, and I decided to throw the medicine out. I had to go all in on it. I thought this, this isn't a, a critical situation. There's no pain. It's just ugly to look at. And I got to no know for myself, not from other people, not from other testimonies, that the Bible's true, that what God said is the truth. I got to know that I can believe it now because further on down the line, I'm going to face things and I want to have this experience that I can always recall back to. And so a few months down the line, I see the beginnings of it coming back again. And I simply laughed. I said, in Jesus' name, you can't put it back on me again. And in my heart, I knew that if I opened up my heart and let discouragement in or let fear in anything, I knew that that thing could come back again, possibly worse than it was the first time. But I just laughed it off. I I said, you're not bigger than God. Yes, you may have the ability and the legal right to test me with this, but if I don't receive it and you don't have the legal right to put it back on me, I reject this. I reject its presence. I reject any fear that could be attached to it. And I just went on living my life And somewhere within the next several days, those signs of it coming back disappeared again. And that was 1986. So now here we are 31 years later, almost to the week that that disappeared, never came back again. So now now here's the thing. After I had that experience, the next time I needed something, I prayed. I tried to pray the exact same way. Matter of fact, I got the book and I read the book. The book's not even, this section isn't even in print anymore, but I I got the book and I read his testimony again and I tried to use this verse of scripture and I tried to use his testimony, reading it, to recreate that same air of confidence that I had during the first experience in the next experience. And it didn't work. Didn't work. I ha- it, Deep down in my heart, I had the same uh, worries and unrest after I read his story than I did before I read it. It no longer did for me during situation number two what it did in situation number one. So what I inadvertently tried to do was to turn a principle into a formula. So all of the things that I talk about here on this podcast and all the things that I've written about, I write about them um, as examples, As as Um, as guidelines. So I'm trying to think of a way that I can put this over to you, but think about something that you really know a lot about. And let's say it's a pretty, pretty big subject, right? So think about, just think about something and you want to get the knowledge of this over to somebody else. Now, you can teach them step by step. And step by step is good in the beginning because it gives you the basics. It gives you the foundation of the topic. It gives you a general understanding. So, for instance, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We know we have God's promises are the foundations that prayers are built upon. We know the principle of faith Believing in something that you can't see and and believing, according to Matthew 21, 21, and Mark eleven twenty four 24, and other similar verses, that you have the answer before you can see it. You know that. And the principle of thanksgiving or praise. Um, being thankful for something, not just the things that you can see, but the things that you can't see. Why? Because you've prayed and you're in faith. You, we know those principles are here throughout the Bible. So what, what we try to do and what I did in the beginning was I used a step-by-step. It's no no different than than anybody learning how to do anything for the first time. It's very mechanical. But then what happens after a while is that um, when it's in your heart, when knowledge is in your heart, you don't need step-by-step anymore. You don't need to write it down on a piece of paper. This is what I have to do first, and this is what I have to do second. That's why sometimes you look at a, at a great cook or chef and they tell you about, you know, they put this ingredient in and you ask them how much and they'll tell you a pinch, you know, but they really can't tell you exactly how much because they don't measure it technically. They're, they're not, that the kitchen isn't like a lab for them in which every every ingredient is specifically measured. Now, maybe some things are specifically measured, but and, and maybe that's for the sake of the other people working in the kitchen so you, so you can keep everybody within this particular range. I, I totally understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying is that when you have a deep knowledge of something, when there's a real live connection there, you don't have to think about certain things. You just do them. Think about driving. The first time you learned how to drive, when everything was mechanical and you're learning how to use the mirrors and you're learning how to brake properly without jerking the, you know, without having, giving somebody a whiplash and you're learning how to turn and you're learning how to, to navigate that particular vehicle and and its relation to the lane and other things like everything becomes mechanical. But then after a time, it is, you can almost do it on autopilot, right? Because inwardly, you know, all of the mechanical functions, your body, your mind, your hands, everything, has, be, has done it so many times that you, instead you're focusing on the road, right? Hopefully, while your body does all those other things. Well, prayer and believing is kind of like that, where you know all the mechanics, but you don't have to think, okay, now I should be thanking God. Now I should be quoting scripture, because these are all principles. They're not formulas. They don't have to be measured out the same way every time, because every situation is different and because god is a individual god is a spirit he's not a religion so a religion tells you this is the way you wash your hands this is the way you set the table this is the way you set up the room when somebody walks in this is when you get up this is when you sit out and your heart doesn't have to be in it well in order to experience god in a real and living and vital way in your life you can't have religion you got to have that relationship connection there and the only way to have that there is to open up your heart and believe what the bible says and learn to get to the place where <clears throat> you learn the principles the more principles you learn then the better it is because the bible says for a lack of knowledge my people perish right so some people think god is causing their problems or god is delaying the answer right and if you believe that then you don't have in your heart certain truths You don't have knowledge of them. Let me give you another example. Um, So after I had that experience, as the years went on in the 80s, I began to read many books about prayer and faith because I wanted to get a handle on it because I knew that sooner or later there'd be a problem that couldn't be fixed by me or by the people around me and I would need God's help. That's the way I, I was thinking at that time, kind of mechanically. I didn't think about God being involved on a day-by-day basis in a, in, a, in a way that you would see a continuous manifestation of power that, you, you know, <clears throat> what I'm talking about. And so I I started drawing distinctions of, okay, this is my responsibility and this is God's responsibility. And see, the more I thought about it, the more intellectual I got about it, the more confusing it became because... I began to see what appeared to be systems, but they weren't systems at all. They were just principles. Let, let me give you an example. They tested uh, birds. I saw this on a documentary. When They, te- they tested birds. And they put this bird in, in, in an area. It was in this box. <clears throat> and the bird looked around and saw some food. And the bird um, try to peck at the food. Well, I guess they put some type of button in there. And when the bird hit the button, the food would come out and the bird would eat the, the seed. And so the bird realized after going through this system a few times that every time it wanted, um, seed, it would have to hit this button. So then what they did was after that became a form, they added a second button. And so the bird hit the button, nothing would come out. So then the bird hit one button, then it hit the other button, and the food came out. And after doing that a few times, the bird got in the habit of, when it wants food, it hits the first button, and then it goes and hits the second button. And so they did this, they created three variations of this, and the bird learned how to move from one to the other whenever it wanted to eat. But then... They did something the bird didn't expect. One day they let out food before it decided it was hungry. Before it decided to hit the buttons. And the bird didn't know what to do. Totally confused it because now it introduced something into its experience it hadn't experienced before. And so all of the other patterns that it identified that led to results... Suddenly went out the window, and the bird became confused. Now, I don't want to say that what God's part is behind this, but I am going to put this out to you. The Bible says that God doesn't give sparingly, but God gives abundantly, and God doesn't withhold, according to the book of James. <clears throat> when he gives he gives liberally and and so what we do is like this bird like the bird in the experiment we have certain experiences, and and we look back, and because our society values intellect so much, we try and put God in a box where we say, okay, this is how God works, and this is my past experience, and now I'm going to base on what's happening now on my past experiences. And see, then we get religious about things, so if something doesn't work, then we just assume, well, this is the way God works, so if it's not working, there's a break, And if there's a break, we have to go and fix the break. And that leads to frustration because we just can't understand where the process is broken down. We don't understand why it's not working. We hit all the buttons. But the truth of the matter is, is we're locked in a religious exercise. It'll never bring results because we've turned principles into a formula. Let me explain again from from my own experience. So um, years pass by and one day I notice there's a lump on my wrist. It's a cyst on my wrist and it starts to grow. Somebody else notices it, tells me about it. And I say there's no big, it's not a big deal. Okay. Now at the same time, um, that I have this lump, uh, something appeared on my hair, in my hair, on my scalp. I had a growth there. Somebody looked at, it. I felt it. I couldn't see it. Uh, but I had somebody look at it, and they said, that that doesn't look good. About the size of a nickel, uh, about an eighth of an inch in height. And it was this purpley looking thing that looked angry. It didn't hurt or anything like that. And so somebody suggested that it might be skin cancer. And so now this is going back over a year ago, this happened. So this is not like distant past or anything like that. And even if it was, it doesn't matter because the truth is the truth. God is still God. He doesn't change. And so I had this thing on my wrist that I I had prayed for. And I had that like three years earlier, two years earlier. And it didn't get smaller. It got bigger. Then suddenly this thing appears on my head. And my natural thinking says, there's something wrong. You're, you're, You're doing something wrong. You're not praying right. You're not believing right. And every time I examined my heart, I just had more questions and more confusion would set in. And I I started asking myself, I wonder where this unbelief was coming from. Let me show you exactly where it was coming from. Acts chapter 3, verse number 12. Acts chapter 3, verse number 12. Now this is, let me turn here in my old King James Bible. Acts chapter 3, verse number 12. When uh, Peter spoke words of faith and a lame man suddenly was healed, miraculously, all the people marveled at it. You can read it in the beginning of chapter 3, book of Acts. It says, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. He said, ye men of Israel, why marvel at this or why look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man walk? Why are you marveling at us? And then in verse 16, it says, his name, the name of Jesus and faith in his name made this man strong. So I began to think, well, there must be something wrong with my faith because this, uh, you know, I'm not saying this out loud, but I'm wondering deep, deep down inside. I'm thinking there must be something wrong with my faith. So I began to examine my life under a microscope. And, you know, you always see areas, your weaknesses. If you want to see weakness, just examine your Keep examining yourself. Weaknesses abound all over. And I thought, well, maybe there's something I'm doing that I'm not, you know, maybe God's not pleased with something. I could find all kinds of things that could be better, or I could make a better, a more sincere effort. I could spend more time. And that just leads you further down, right? But what what Peter said, it's not by our own power. That word there is dynamite, explosive power. And I, I thought to myself, I don't, maybe I don't have any power for this situation because of and all the focus came back on myself but you know we're saved by grace through faith and not not of yourselves it's the gift of God that's what the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves and what Peter's saying here is that this miracle happened by faith by God's grace that not, not of himself not by his own power not by his own holiness so if you're looking at your own self in the light of your own holiness, the Bible says our own righteousness is like a filthy rag. What, are you gonna, what do you think you're going to find? That's why Jesus had to go to the cross, because you can't do it. But when you're in a situation, you're praying, and you don't see any results. And so I went to the Lord, and I prayed. I remember I prayed in the shower about my head. And I said, you know, I, I just, I got to give this to you 100%. You know, because when I heard the word cancer, the first, I could feel the fear trying to get in. And I said, you know what? I got, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to offer you with, with this. I got to give it to you. And I got to know that I'm not going to look back, not going to look out of the corner of my eye to see if it's still there. I got to give this to you hundred percent with everything I have. And I'm praying. And when I step out of this shower I'm leaving it with you and I'm never going to look back no matter what happens. I just want to let you know that this is where I am and, and this is where I'm asking you to meet me and I'm asking you to understand because if I play with this, if I think about it, if I meditate on it, if I meditate on my, my, this, even this prayer in relation to this problem and, and what I'm going to see next, then I already know that I'm going to be in for a long discouraging ride And so I gave it to God and I gave it to him and I walked away and I stepped out of the shower. When I was done, a week passed. Somebody may ask, hey, did you ever test it? Did you ever? No, I can't put my hand up there. I can't look up there. I made a decision to move forward and not back. I'm not going to do it. Now, God put something in my heart. I believe I came to him with all my heart and God responded with his heart. That's the difference. Now, a week later, I remember the same person coming up to me and saying, hey, whatever happened with, maybe it was two weeks later, probably about two weeks later. And they checked in my my scalp again. And now when I washed my hair, here's the thing. When I washed my hair, I would purposely not move my hand over in that area on purpose. I would just go over it. I wouldn't like feel for it, if that makes any sense. It's not like I was afraid to touch that area, but I wouldn't feel for it to see if, to see if. You follow what I'm saying? To see if. I didn't want to do that. Didn't want to open that box. Didn't want to go down that road. I just wanted to keep moving forward. I gave it to God. I'm not going to take it back. I settled it in my heart. I sealed it off. I drew a line. I wasn't going to step over that line anymore relative to that thing. So when she's looking through my hair, looking through my hair, looking through my hair, she's like, I can't find it. I can't. Where was it? I can't find it. Am I looking in the wrong No, I'm not looking in the wrong spot. And it was totally gone. But now again, I had this thing on my wrist growing. And that thing on my head came and went. And that thing on the wrist was still there. It was starting to get bigger and uglier. And I thought to myself, well, what, (laughs) what about this? You know, it's funny how we learn a lesson, but then we forget it. And I was thinking, well, maybe my heart wasn't in the prayer. So I tried to put my heart into the prayer more. But I couldn't. I mean, I did everything I could to put my heart into what I was praying about for my wrist, but I couldn't. I just, whatever it was, my, my I couldn't get my heart into it. I couldn't, I couldn't reason around it. I couldn't do anything. I applied the different principles for four years. I reminded God that I prayed about my wrist. I spoke to the mountain. I commanded that thing to be gone out of my off my wrist in Jesus' name. I did all these things. Didn't get any better. You know, when you're when you face a problem, when when a mountain is in your life. That you've prayed for and years go by, you know, these other thoughts start to come. And some of these thoughts are, you know, for some reason that you'll never understand in this lifetime, you're just not going to receive an answer to that particular prayer. And you'll understand why when you get to the other side. And, you know, I thought to myself, you know, if I accept that for something that the Bible clearly shows is God's will, there's not one person that ever came to Jesus that asked for healing for anything that didn't get it. You know, and this thought would come, well, you know, this isn't life threatening. So why don't you just leave it there and forget about it? Are you worried about what people think? Do you, are you worried that your wrist looks ugly or doesn't look right? Or people will stare or think, well, you shouldn't think that way. That's not, and all these thoughts would come and they sounded pretty good at first, but they were, they were taking me away. They were leading me away from the fact that all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, all things, not most things, not just life-threatening things, not just spiritual things, but all things whatsoever that leaves nothing out. Now you can take that verse and change it to mean what you want it to mean. All things except for non-life-threatening things. You see what I'm saying? So what did Jesus tell people? according to your faith, be it done unto you. Not according to my faith, not according to my power, but what do you see? According to your faith. Well, my faith is connected to him. And so somehow I have to get my eyes off of myself and onto Jesus, onto God's word, onto God the Father, onto the Holy Spirit. Again, we're talking about principles, but none of the formulas that I use worked. And so all the formulas go out the window. And I remember at one point I was praying about something else, and I looked down at my wrist, and I felt this frustration and and confusion begin to rise up. And I just hit God with it at that point, and I said, you know, I don't understand this. This is fr- I'm on. I want to be honest. This is frustrating me, and everything. And this me- this anger rose up on the inside of me, and. I thought, you know what? This, this thing doesn't belong here. And I didn't create the anger. I didn't work it up. It just happened as I was talking to God. And I cursed that thing at its root, which I had done many times before, but something was different about this time. Cursed it at its root. That was two weeks ago. <clears throat> so a few days ago, I'm visiting my parents, laying down on the couch, look at my wrist, and I suddenly notice that 80% of the cyst is gone, only 20% left. 80% of it shrunk down. It's like almost not there. You can't even see it really unless you look at it at a certain angle. Just see like a little, little uh, rays in the, in the skin area. Now I could turn this into a formula, but hey, you know what? That old saying about uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Well, I I, I think, you know, by the grace of God, I finally learned my lesson about this. See, it's easy to tell other people what to do, but when it comes time to do it yourself, it's a little different, isn't it? So I realized that there's a principle. And what the principle is, is once I know the, the, the truth, once I know the facts, the name of Jesus, the word of God, the power of of praise and thanksgiving, the power of the spoken, all those things that I need to connect my spirit to God's spirit. When I say connect, I mean in that prayer time, in my prayer time, my daily prayer time. And he will cause me to do the right things. I don't have to intellectualize them. I don't have to remember them. I don't have to write them down step by step anymore. You need to get to the place where when you talk to God, God will inspire you to do the right things. And by inspiring you, I don't mean suddenly like checking up on yourself and saying, okay, is this inspiration? Is this God or is this me? I'm talking about getting even beyond that where you just do what seems like the right thing to do at the time. And you have faith in the fact that God is in your heart, in your spirit, that Jesus is real, that the Holy Spirit is real, that all these things that may seem 100 miles away from you, with outside of your Reach really are there, and the L things are possible to you—not just in theory, but in the reality of the world you're looking. You need to to grab hold of that with all that's within you. And now I know that day by day, my connection with God is the most vital thing that I have. My communicating with Him from the heart, and I've learned from experience. Sometimes I may have to talk for a minute or two before I get through the surface and before it's a heart, a real heart to heart. Because that's where the miraculous is in the heart to heart. That's why you hear these things about people crying and, and and all these things and suddenly the miraculous happens or people pouring out their hearts or, or fighting. That's why Jesus said men ought to always pray and not give up because Even if you're praying in the flesh, if you don't give up, there'll come a time and you get there and you're not praying in the flesh anymore. When it's the real you talking, when it's the real you believing, when it's the real you receiving, it changes everything. And I encourage you to head towards that place in your life. Once you experience for yourself, you'll never, you'll never forget it. And even though you may do stupid things in the days, weeks, and months to come, at least you'll know there is a place available to you, a place that's waiting for you, If you just open up your heart, you put the formulas to the side, and you move forward and become the person that God has designed you to be, even before, like the Bible says, the foundations of the earth, you become that person. It's a narrow path. Not many people are talking about it, but you can find it because God wants you to find it. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great rest of your week. I'll talk to you again soon. Again, if you want more information, please go to the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. This is Jim. God bless you.